This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavua Shira. This year, Tavshin Ayin, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Baxman. This week, Pashat Kitavo, I would like to discuss the first practical, actual mitzvah that B'nai Israel are commanded to perform upon entering the land of Israel, that which might be thought of as the ceremony or the mitzvah of Knisah La'aretz of entering into the land. Dorayim Perak Kavzayin, Pasuk Bet says as follows, Moshe commands B'nai Yisrael, Vayam Bayom, and will be on the day, Asher Tavruot day that you will cross the Jordan River, Ala'aretz Asher Hashem Alkechan Otein Lach, into the land that God will give you, and you shall set up, erect very large stones, and you will cover them with plaster or lime wash. And then Moshe goes on in his instructions to the Bnei Yisrael and says as follows, And you will write upon these large stones covered in the whitish material, the lime wash, the plaster, etc., write all of the words of this Torah, when you pass by. And then the Torah continues on, and it continues on a, a bit further, um, and Moshe again stresses this notion of the day, or of the passing, and and in the day when you pass the Jordan River, set up these these stones that I command you, etc. And of course, as a kind of preliminary uh, question, uh, we may ask is what exactly is the is the meaning of this passage ceremony uh, or this ceremony of Kisala Aretz? And if we think about it, what are the elements that are stressed here, as we read in the Pesukim? There's of course the setting up of the stones, the placing of the stones. Secondly, the painting of them, the covering them in the lime wash or the plaster. And third, the writing of the Torah. Uh, as we already read in Parakav Zayin, Pasek Gimel, V'katatavta aleihem et kol divrei ha-Torah hazot be'avrecha. And you shall write all of the words of this Torah upon them when you, when you pass into the land. And again, um, without going through all of the details of the parsha, the small parsha here runs more or less from Parakav Zayin, Pasek Aleph, through Pasuk Chet, at some point in time, it kind of repeats itself. But at the very end of the last part of the parsha, in Parakav Zayin Pasachet, we read again: "The katavta ala avanim et kol divrei haTorah hazot ba'er heitev," and you shall write upon these stones um, all of uh, the words of this Torah. Ba'er heitev, a good explanation, or perhaps in a clear fashion, so that they can be seen. Um, so again, here we have the writing of the Torah in addition to the stones. And we might wonder, uh, and I've already alluded to this or mentioned this, that what is the meaning of this of this ceremony? Um, but before getting uh, to the meaning of this ceremony, which I think is the central question I'd like to discuss in the Shior, we should note that there is uh, a third aspect uh, to this ceremony of the stones, to this chagiga, to this celebration, to this tekas, uh, to this procedure. Um, and let us now go back to some of the psukim, uh, some verses that I've skipped over until this point. After the second mention of the command to set up the stones, Parakavzayin Pasuk He says as follows, Uvanitat sham mizbeach Hashem elokecha, and you shall build there an altar to the Lord your God, mizbach avanim, uh, it should be an altar of stones, lo tanif aleim barzel, they cannot be cut stones, rather they must be whole stones, and the Torah specifies this in Pasuk Vav, avanim shleimotiv neet mizbach Hashem elokecha, 
builder of holestones, Valita Alav Olot, Vesamachta. So the third component of this ceremony is not so much one, the stones, two, the writing of the Torah, but three, the Mizbeach, the altar, and the Karbanot. And again, the question is, what is the meaning, the symbolism, the purpose of this first mitzvah, of this entrance ceremony? How can we unpack or understand its symbolism? Now, although this is the primary question I would like to deal with in this shiur, there is another secondary question uh, that I would like to talk about, which to some extent um, might be the key to understanding the meaning of the ceremony. And uh, this second question can perhaps be summed up in, in one word, and that word is setting. Now, in the Shiva until this point, I've talked about the, the setting of time. Uh, the Torah seems to stress over and over the fact that this should be done immediately upon Knisa La'aretz, upon entering the land. Just to revisit the text again, Kavzayin's Bet says, Vayabayom, on the day, Asher Tavru et Ayardin, when you cross the Jordan River. Uh, Bayom and Tavru don't necessarily have to be uh, literal. Um, but then again, uh, a bit further down in Pasuk Gimel, when you pass, so Tavru, Ba'avracha, and in Pasuk Dalet, Ba'avrachem et Ayardin, Takimu et Avanim So uh, the image uh, we have, or the sense we have, is that immediately after crossing the Jordan River, Bayom, Ba'avru, as stressed three times here in the Pesukim, the Bnei Israel would set up the stones, write the Torah, um, and uh, build the Mizbeach. Now, it happens to be that this is not at all uh, the way things uh, worked out, and even a, a cursory knowledge of Sefer Yehoshua, uh, or thinking about Sefer Yehoshua, the story of Knisala Aretz, of entering into the land, should be enough to remind us of this. Um, upon entering into the land, the day they cross the Jordan River, B'nai Yisrael do not do this ceremony outlined here. In fact, it happens far later in Sefer Yoshua in Parakhet, and we will not go into the details of that right now. But the reason for that is already found right here in the text uh, of the original command in Parakhet Zion of Sefer Dvarim. We are told uh, in Parakhet Zion, Pasuk Dalad, the following, and now I'll read the whole Pasuk. When you cross the Jordan, Takinu et Avanim Ha'ela, set up these stones, Asher Anochi Mitzavei Etchem, that I command you, Hayom, this day, Behar Eval, at the mountain of Eval. So from the very start, the setting, although it seems in time, to be immediate after crossing the Jordan. And since it's in time, immediately after crossing the Jordan, one would expect it to be in place uh, next to the Jordan or shortly after crossing. It's supposed to be, of course, ha- it's supposed to, of course, happen at Har Eval. Now, again, Har Eval is obviously not next to the Jordan River because there are no mountains there. And Har Eval is one of the mountains uh, located, of course, uh, what we call Gavhahar, the back of the mountains, the mountain range that runs uh, more or less down the middle of uh, the biblical land of Israel. Um, through the area of Shamon and Yehuda. And in point of fact, Har Eval is a very particular uh, mountain, um, and one which is identified by the Mepharshim um, as being in Shechem. Uh, now, it's worthwhile to actually go through how we can identify Har Eval as being in Shechem, um, simply from within the text of the Chumash itself. And the reason for this is because... Um, this ceremony of the stones, or this entrance ceremony that is outlined here in Dvarim Parak Zion, which is, uh, it seems apparently supposed to take place at Har Eval, this is really not the first place it's mentioned or alluded to. Uh, if we go 
further back uh, in Sefer Jorim, all the way back to Perak Yud Aleph, this is to some extent, that is to some extent, the place where this first crops up. Um, in Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Kaftet, shortly after the beginning of Parashat through A, um, says as follows, B'nai Zol are told that they have a choice between brachan klala, between blessing, i.e. keeping of the mitzvot, or klala, cursing, not keeping of the mitzvot. And Dvarim Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Kaftet says, Vayaki v'yacha when God will bring you to the land that he brings you there to inherit, you shall place the bracha, the representation of the bracha upon Har Grizim, and the curse Al Har Eval, the representation of the curse on Har Eval. Um, aren't they on the other side of the Jordan? Moshe is located in Arvot Moav, the plains of the Jordan River, on the eastern bank of the Jordan. And he says, these mountains are on the other side of the Jordan, i.e. on the west bank of the Jordan. Uh, the place where the sun sets, from that perspective. In land of more. Now, um, so we're told that there's something that's going to take place involving putting the bracha on one mountain and the klala on a different mountain, Har Grizim and Har Eval, and they're located in the land of Canaan, Mulha Gilgal, near Eloneh Moreh. And before we get to what exactly this location of Har Grizim, Har Eval, Eloneh Moreh is, we should note that um, something about the structure of Sefer Dram at this point. Here in Perak Yud Aleph, Moshe begins to speak about the ceremony of Har Grizim Har Eval, the Bracha and Klala ceremony, actually a, a covenantal ceremony. It's going to take place far later on in time when Bnei Yisrael get into the land. And immediately after mentioning this, uh, prospectively mentioned in this ceremony, in Perak Yudbet Pasuk Aleph, Moshe begins to talk about the Chukim and the Mishpatim Asher Tishmon Lasot Baaretz. And that's what Yudbet Aleph says, Ela Chukim and Mishpatim Asher Tishmon Lasot Baaretz. And from this point on, for in fact the next 16 Prakim, um, and the parashiot following, um, and we think about it, Kitetzei, a parashiot we read last week, full of mitzvot. Um, mitzvah contents, brick contents, the mitzvot that will be kept in the land. And we come finally to Perkav Zion and the ceremony of uh, the stones, and we find after the mention of this ceremony, we return back to Har Grizim and Har Eval. And we look in Kav Zion, Yud Aleph, and others on Har Eval. So what we should realize is that our small mini tekes of the stones is part of this larger tekes, this larger ceremony, this larger uh, process of Har Gizim and Har Eval. But that's, that's not really our point right now, and we'll, but we will come back to it in a few seconds. The point is, is that the mountain at which the stones are set up is Har Eval. Har Eval is part of the story of Har Gizim and Har Eval. Um, and that is correlated with Elonei Moreh in Dvarim Perakit Aleph Pasuk Lamed. Now, where is Elonei Moreh? So here all of the Parshanim tell us that in order to understand where Elonei Moreh is, we need to go back to Sefer Breshit, all the way back to Breshit Perak Yudvet. In Breshit Perak Yudvet, the story of Avram's entrance into the land of Israel can teach us where Hargrizim, Harayval, and Elonei Moreh are. Um, we are told that Avram left Haran and came to the land of Canaan. And uh, Perak Yudbet, Pasuk Vav in Sefer Breshit, says as follows, Avram ba'aretz, ad makom Shechem. Avram passed in the land to the place of Shechem, ad Elon Moreh, 
until Elon Mora, the exact same term used later on in Sefer or Elone Mora, apparently the same term, Vakani Azbarat. So Rashi and Ibn Ezra and Ramban consistently tell us that Har Grizim and Har Eval, Elone More, are of course Shechem. The same as Elon More in Sefer Breshit is Shechem. So in point of fact, our ceremony of the stones is supposed, of Divine Perak is supposed to take place at Shechem. Now, and here's the problem. On the one hand, um, the Torah tells us, Bayom, the day you cross over, Abraham, when you cross over. But then we're told that it's Harival. So it's actually supposed to happen much later, and it's supposed to happen in Shechem. And of course, it would take some time for B'nai Israel to get from the Aden to Shechem. So the second question I like to discuss in this year is not so much the question of the meaning of the ceremony, but rather the question of the setting. Uh, is it immediate? Is it the first mitzvah? Is it not the first mitzvah? If it's supposed to be in Shechem, why is it portrayed? Is it has to be the day that you cross over or when you cross over? This strange tension within the setting of immediacy and yet delay and dafka ha'reval is something that I would like to try to work out as well uh, in the Shi'or. Now, in terms of unpacking the symbolism of the ceremony of the stones, I would like to begin with a comment of Ibn Ezra. I think picks up on a, a key theme, but at the same time presents a theory that is somewhat lacking, which is only partial in a certain sense. Um, and what Ibn Ezra is based upon is the fact that often the Torah gives us a major hint as to what the meaning, uh, or maybe even sometimes more than a hint, uh, it tells us what the meaning uh, or the purpose of a particular ceremony is. And I would like to return to Dvarim Perak Kavzayin, Pasuk Gimel, for the minute, which says as follows. Uh, write the Torah on the stones when you enter into the land. So that you will come to the Aretz. So, simple reading of the Pesach sounds like almost it's a kind of, it's a skula, almost a near magical charm. Well, if you do this, then everything will go well for you. Then you will continue on with your entering into the land and your conquest of the land. Ibn Ezra comments as follows on the word Lama'an in the Rampere Kapsayin Pesach Gimel. Lama'an, so that. Ki Hashem Yazrecha, God will help you, im ha lishmar mitzvotav. If you begin by keeping his mitzvot. So there's a kind of tit-for-tat, a, a relationship here. Ben Israel will keep this mitzvah, this first mitzvah upon, of entering the land, and God will therefore continue to help them in their conquest of the land. And Ibn Ezra goes on, This is the first mitzvah upon their entrance, to build for themselves an altar, pardon me, a new altar, to thank God, that they began to be in, to live in the land. According to Ibn Ezra, the primary purpose of this ceremony is thanksgiving. The primary component is component three, the building of the Mizbeach, um, which we find in Dvarim Perak Kavzayin Pasik Vav, Amanim Shleinot Tivneta Mizbeach Hashem Elokecha Valita Olot Lashem Elokecha Vezavakta Shlamim Vachalta Shem Besamach Lefnei Hashem Elokecha The festive quality, the thanksgiving quality to God, the Mizbeach and the Karbonot are the central aspect of this ceremony. And the entire ceremony is an act of thanksgiving to God upon entering the land. And if one thanks God for the beginning of the good that one has received from him, then that good will continue on and 
um, your process of entering the land will continue smoothly. It's primarily a mitzvah of shevach, hoda'ah, thanksgiving upon entering into the land with the karbonot and the mezbeach and the central component, according to Ibn Ezra. Now, I do think that this uh, aspect is certainly present in the text, um, but I would like to raise two points or two questions uh, regarding Ibn Ezra's claim that the meaning of this mitzvah is primarily thanksgiving uh, or primarily divine worship, so to speak, upon entering the land, um, because I think there are certain uh, aspects which make, make us think otherwise. Um, first uh, and foremost, something that struck me actually quite a few years back is the notion of divine worship that Ibn Ezra focuses on. And I would like to briefly go back to what might be thought of as um, the parameters or the instructions uh, for divine worship uh, found way, way back in Sefer Shemot, back in Sefer Shemot, um, Kaf, immediately after uh, the Aseret Hadibrot. And um, there, uh, in Shemot Perek Kaf Pasek Kaf, we're told as follows. Hashem says to Moshe, Atem ritem ki min ha-shamayim dibayti imachem. You have seen I spoke to you from the heavens. Lo ta'asun iti elohei chesef elohei zahav, lo ta'asun lachem. Do not make gods of silver or gods of gold. That's not the proper mode of worship of, of the divine, of the transcendent deity that is spoken from the heavens. It was no more than a voice and not a body. Rather, mizbach adama ta'aseli. Make an earthen altar. The ideal form of divine worship is a humble, earthen, transient, temporary altar, which is the um, proper mode of worship for the uh, transcendent, absolute, non-physical deity. And the Torah goes on and says, well, of course, there's another option besides a mizbach adama. But if you make an uh, altar out of stones, do not build it hewn, uh, cut stones. So you can make an altar of stones, but it can't be cut stones. Um, now, so the ideal form of worship, apparently, or the preferable form of worship, is the mizbach adama, the earthen altar. Mizbach avanim is also okay. Now, interestingly enough, in our parsha of Parshat Kitavo, in Dram Parakav Zion, when we talk about the earthen altar, uh, that has to be, it's required to be Mizbach Avanim, Lotanif Aleim Barzel, Avanim Shleimot, it follows the parameters of the code of worship of Shmot Kav perfectly. If you, the Mizbach Avanim, the altar stones, cannot be cut, it must be hewn uh, whole stones. So that's fine. But the issue here is, is that that doesn't really seem to be, according to Shmot, the ideal or perfect form of worship. And it's interesting, if this is all really about a, a great act of divine worship and celebration upon entering the land, why should um, the, uh, the, the altar be made of stones? Maybe wouldn't an earthen altar be better? Now, now this, this brings us to a second and third point uh, regarding Ibn Ezra's theory. And, and what I think what Ibn Ezra is missing here is accounting for everything besides the Mizbeach, um, and and uh, and the carbonate, even the mizbeach itself, as I've already pointed out, there's a certain kind of monumental or monumentalist quality to this ceremony. Uh, we're told at the beginning of these are avanim gedolot. Uh, these are monuments, 
and they're they're covered in in lime wash, and the Torah is written upon them, probably in large letters, is what Be'er Hetev at the end of the parsha means. And everything has to be made of stone, and it's supposed to stand there as some sort of monument. It's a kind of monument creation that's going on here, much more than just a kind of divine worship. For a temporary divine worship, we can have the temporary earthen altar upon entering the land, and then we move on. But there's a monument that's created here of the stones and the Mizbech and the writing of the Torah, which brings us to the third point. Ibn Ezra's theory of divine worship gives us no account of neither the stones nor uh, the writing of the Torah, uh, even though it might well explain the Mizbech and the Karbanon. So I would say as follows. Um, the approach of Ibn Ezra to think about this ceremony as a ceremony of divine worship certainly picks up on something in the text, but it doesn't really strike a chord in that it seems to be a not necessarily ideal or perfect form of uh, divine worship. Um, and uh, the focus on the Avanim points out that this is something having to do with the creation of a monument in some kind of way. And moreover, um, the theory of divine worship doesn't really explain uh, the, of the stones or the writing of the Torah, so there might be some other themes we would like to try to elucidate here. Now, I think the answer lies in noting a striking parallel between, or, or another part of the answer lies, in noting a striking parallel between our parsha and Dvarim Kavzayin, Pesach Alf through Chet, and another place in the Torah, um, what I have in mind is Shmot Perk Kafdalet, the aftermath of the revelation at Har Sinai, um, but a slightly different place in that story of the aftermath of the revelation at Har Sinai. Um, Shmot Perk Kafdalet, Pasuk Gimel, says as follows Ve'avo Moshe, and Moshe came, Ve'isapel, Moshe came down from the mountain, Ve'isapel Amet Kol Divrei Hashem, he told the people all of the words of God, Ve'et Kol Hamishpatim, and all of the laws. And all the people answered in one voice, Everything that God has spoken, we will do. This is, of course, familiar to us. Uh, the B'nai Israel accept the Torah. Moshe wrote down all of the words of the uh, Torah. He got up in the morning. Moshe built an altar. With twelve monuments, l'shneim asar shivtei Israel, for each one in accord with each of the twelve um, tribes of Israel. Now, the word matseva is an interesting word. It actually refers to it's a kind of technical term in the Chumash that refers to a single large stone. A mizbeach avanim can be a collection of stones, a collection of large stones, but a matseva is a single large stone. Um, and if we realize this, think about uh, the aftermath of Rasinai, Shmot Perk Kavdalid, Pasuk Dalid, more specifically. Um, what we have is Moshe, one, writing of the Torah, two, building of a Mizbeach, an altar, three, the creation of these large monumental stones. And this already should obviously remind us, we have at the very least, a threefold parallel between what happened at Har Sinai and what uh, Moshe commands the people later on in Dvarim Perk of Zion, the ceremony of the stones, between the post-Sinai moment and the pre-Knisai La'aretz moment, or the moment of entry into the Aretz. And the threefold parallel is one, if we kind of re- reverse the order of things in the post-Sinai story and follow the order of the pre-Knisai La'aretz story in Dvarim Perk of Zion, we have one, the setting up of stones uh, in the case of Dvarim, uh, the Avanim Gdolot, in the case of Shmot, the Matzevot, each one for one of the tribes of Israel. We have two, uh, the writing down of the Torah, which is done on the stones 
in the case of the pre-entrance uh, into Israel story of Darim, and which is done by Moshe. Uh, he writes down the Torah when he descends from the mountain in the post-Sinai story. And we have three, a third point of parallel, the building of the Mizbeach, which in one case, of course, will be done by the Am, in the pre-entry into Israel story of Torim, and in the other case, it's done by Moshe himself in the post-Sinai story. Now, if we go on, um, uh, the third part of the parallel, the Mizbeach, has uh, another aspect to it. Shmot Perak Kavdal, Pasukesis, as well as, Ve'yishalach et nare b'nei Yisro v'yalu olot ve'yizbuchus v'chim shalmim l'ashem parim, there are karbanot. And, of course, there's a kind of celebration or chagiga. So the fourth point of parallel is the karbanot and the celebration. Now, to get the meaning, or to understand the meaning of this parallel, I think we need to just read on a little bit further to elucidate a fifth point of uh, parallel between the two stories. Not just one, uh, the stone slash monument. Not just two, the writing down of the Torah. Three, the Mizbeach. Four, the Karbanot in celebration. But... We read on, uh, Moshe brings Karbanot, he sprinkles the dam, half on the people, half on the Mizbeach, and then, Per Kaftal Pasuk Zayin of Shemot says, Ve'ikach Sefer Habrit, Ve'ikram Ba'aznei Ha'am, and Moshe took the Book of the Covenant, and he uh, read it into the ears of the people, Ve'imru Kol Hashem Dibar Hashem Na'aseh V'nishma, and the people said, everything that God has said, we will do and we will hear. The story in Shemot is the story of Brit Sinai, of the covenant made at Sinai on the written down Torah, the Sefer HaBrit, the time when B'nai Yisrael said, the commitment to the details and the laws of the Torah. That's what happened at the post-Sinai moment. Now, we've already pointed out that in Sefer Torah, we are also talking about a kind of covenantal context. Our ceremony of the stones is connected to the larger ceremony of Har Grizim and Har Eval, which without a shadow of a doubt, with its two-sidedness, um, the six tribes on one side and the six tribes on the other side and the bracha versus the claw is a story of Brit. So the fifth point of parallel is that of the notion of Brit implicit in both stories, the Sefer HaBrit and the Dam HaBrit, the blood of the covenant in the Shmot post-Sinai story, and of course the connection to the larger covenant of Hargizim and Harival found in the Preki Sala Aretz, the Dvarim story. Now, um, what is the meaning of this parallel? Um, and in fact, uh, the meaning, I think, should be relatively obvious. Um, when B'nai Israel enter the land, what must they do? Or under what conditions must they enter the land? Uh, or with what type of attitude uh, must they enter the land? And to answer that question is they must enter the land through a recreation of Brit Moshe. They must enter the land through a recreation of the covenant contracted at Sinai. The same as they committed to the words of the Torah in the covenantal ceremony in Har Sinai in Shemot Perk Kaftalot, so too they recommit to the words of the Torah. It's the exact same Brit, but so to speak we might say writ large um, on these great stones. They recommit to the Torah at the point of entry into Eretz Yisrael. And this explains why it is a monumental moment, one which must be enshrined, because it states what Knisa La'aretz is all about. It's about commitment to those words written on the large stones. It's about the continuation and the recreation of that covenantal moment of commitment and celebration done at Har Sinai under those conditions. And with that attitude, this is how B'nai Yisrael entered the land. And this is the purpose uh, of the entire ceremony of the stones. Now, um, this, we should realize, both presses on and simultaneously resolves the outstanding question that we have to deal with, which was, 
It should be, of course, immediately when they enter the land. Um, and that's the pressure here. Um, because if it's all about entering the land through recreation of Brit Sinai, of commitment to the laws of the Torah, and writing them large as a kind of what Abar Beno refers to as a, as a milestone, as an Evan Derech, as this is what it's all about, um, then it should happen immediately at the Jordan. Um, it should happen right when they get out of the water. Why does it wait? Well, the answer is obvious, because the Mizbeach at Har Sinai is built in the shadow of a mountain. And you cannot recreate Brit Sinai without a mountain. And there are no mountains next to the Jordan, and they wait until they get to Har Eval. And it's Har Eval, the mountain, that becomes part of this imagery, of the symbolism of the mountain, the Mizbeach, the Matzevah, the writing of the Torah and the Covenant. And that is what recreates and helps uh, affirm uh, Brit Sinai at this crucial moment. And this might also, therefore, the sixth element of parallel, the notion of Har Har, mountain in both stories, might help uh, explain not just the question of the meaning of the ceremony, but also the question of the setting. Now, well, I think this is basically correct. Um, I haven't said anything specific about the setting, about Shechem, about Har Eval, Har Grizim, etc., uh, couldn't the mountain closer by have been found to recreate uh, Brit Sinai? Um, why did it have to wait so long? Or why specifically that mountain? Now, there might not be an answer to this question, but I would like to try to answer the question by saying I think that there's a, a third element uh, to uh, this ceremony, not just one idea of Ibn Ezra of a festival of thanksgiving to God about upon King Salaharetz, not just to the notion of the recreation, the reaffirmation of commitment to the Torah implicit in Brit Sinai upon entering the land, but something which goes back to some Pesukim I already read earlier on in the Shi'ur. Go back to Breshit Perak um, Yudbet. Um, and the Pesukim by which we know the correlation between Har Eval, Har Grizim, Eilonei More, Eilonei More, and Shechem uh, through. Breshit Perak Yudbet, Pasuk Zion says as follows. Vav says as follows. God says, go to the land, and I'll make you into a great nation. Right? Um, and Avram goes, picks up, leaves Har, and leaves everything, comes to the land. And we're told in Perak Yudbet, Pasuk Vav, Vayavar Avram Baretz Ad Makom Shechem. Um, and Avram came in the land to the place of Shechem, Ad Elon Moreh, to that place. But despite all of God's promises, that is, that he, his descendants would possess the land, become a great nation. The Canaanites were then in the land. So it didn't seem like it was going to work out in the short term. Oh, it's for the future. To your children I will give this land. And what does Avraham do? Avraham built the Mizbeach in that place of Elon Moreshchem to the God that appeared to him. And we might think of this as the Mizbeach of not yet, the Mizbeach of potential, the Mizbeach of the divine promise. God has promised him in this first place that he has arrived, that um, his children will inherit the land, and as an act of thanksgiving, Abraham builds a Mizbeach. Well, if you think about it, what is the first mitzvah that B'nai Yisrael are commanded upon entering the land? To build a Mizbeach in that very same place that Abraham had built the Mizbeach, uh, in Shechem. But this Mizbeach is not the Mizbeach of promises, of potential, of thanksgiving for promise, but it's rather the Mizbeach of actualization, 
of realization, of thanksgiving to God, then it's happened. Because entering the land is a realization, an actualization of the divine promise to Abraham of the Zaracha Atina Ta'aretz Azot. It is an actualization of that promise uh, to Abraham. So in that sense, we stand in the same place and build the Mizbeach as Abraham did, as an act of thanksgiving for God keeping his promise to Abraham, as a continuation of Brit Abraham. To put this, to put this together, what we should realize is that Kinesala Aretz is an accomplishment or a continuation of two britot, of two covenants that have existed between God and Israel in history. On the one hand, it's the Brit Avraham, the accomplishment and the continuation of Brit Avraham, and the Mizbeach must be built in Shechem to kind of realize, actualize, and echo that Mizbeach of Avraham. But on the other hand, it's all about Brit Moshe, the covenant of Sinai, the Mesorah of Moshe, and recreating that covenant. And therefore, it's not just the Mizbeach and Shechem, but it's also the monument, the stones, the writing of the Torah, because it's this merging of the two covenants, the covenant of Abraham and the promise of the land, and the covenant of Moshe, the commitment to the Torah, that represents the true meaning of Am Yisrael's King Salah's entrance into the land, and hence the merging of both, both of these elements in the Mitzvah Rishonah, the first Mitzvah, uh, the covenant of the stones upon entering the land.